Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jim Tunnison, the voice of America's Chief Information Officer and Chief Digital Officer. Jim, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I don't think I've ever had the Voice of America CIO on, but you and I have talked before, and actually you have been on back in some older jobs. I think you were on a panel that I played on uh, Ask CIO before. So we'll not necessarily call this a return engagement for you, but uh, welcome back or, or welcome to the show either way. Uh, <laughs> and, and speaking of your you know, a few years ago, you've been at Voice of America for almost two years. Uh, let's talk about that transition. It's not a typical job because you were at USDA. You had other jobs in the, in the government as well. And all of a sudden, boom, now you're in the broadcast world. That, that's a big transition. Talk about what it's been like over the last two years and, and the learning curve you've experienced. Well, it's actually been about three years, but – with that, I want to say your bio is wrong. Oh, okay. Well, my bio. <laughs> Maybe it might be my math, to be honest. I don't do math very well. There you go. But three years. So it's three all, years. Three years. Three years. And it started out as baptism by fire. So I'll tell you that one. No, it was great. It was a great transition. But it was, yes, it was a big change in learning curve from uh, C, uh, being a CTO over the USDA to moving over to the Voice of America. And I started out as the chief digital officer there a title which I still hold, and I also came in for – this is where my baptism by fire comes from. I also was director of broadcast operations, which as you can imagine is very complex dealing with all the television studios as well as the radio studios. And it's much different than when you come from a typical technology and IT background such as uh, over at USDA or, for instance, uh, Homeland Security. So why did they throw you into the baptism by fire, director of broadcast operations? I'm going to introduce you to our director of broadcast operations, and he will probably just cry on your shoulder a little bit because it's, 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 a, it's a tough job. Well, I think it was certainly to help with the learning curve and to pick up the, all the aspects of the media business. So um, in a typical CIO shop or typical CIO, you have the basic you know, CIO Stuff to do, like there you, go. you have cyber, you have desktops, laptops, mobile. I mean, those those things are what I've been told very normal. Like a CIO is a CIO is a CIO. Exactly. And then you're not focusing on cameras and teleprompters and uh, television control rooms and radio control rooms and how do you do automation for these, you know, for these aspects, uh, which is what we were working on and also doing an HD transition for – uh, transformation from SD to HD on on television for our distribution. So uh, there was a lot more complexity to it, and it uh, it was a great experience. I, I learned a lot uh, in that position, and it was uh, it was fun. Did you have any background in the broadcast world? Did, did you say in college? Did you work on the TV studio or something? No. So here you are, you're walking in and they're like, Jim, welcome. Uh, this is called a teleprompter. And <laughs> how'd you learn? Was the former broad- director of broadcast operations there a little bit? I mean, give me, give me the, how, how you picked it up. No, well, there was a very talented staff. Let's put it that way. There's a very talented and large staff for broadcast operations and studio operations. And uh, they were kind enough to take me by the collar and help show me around and how things operate. Now that you're there, uh, as you said, three years, right? Three years. I got it right this time. <laughs> Can you give me a sense of, of first of all, are you still director of broadcast operations or were you able to pass that hat off? I was able to pass that hat off after a year. It was successfully transitioned over to a, a great director of broadcast operations. So now you wear two hats. You wear the CIO hat and you wear the chief digital officer hat. Talk about those two roles, how they interact, how, how they're the same, how they're different. Oh, well, that's, a, that's a great question. And the, 
uh, goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where you see the CIO role or the chief information officer with very typical duties and what, what they do on a regular basis, focusing on policies and standardizations and re, you know uh, regulations and cyber. But on the chief digital officer side, I look more at work partnering and working closely with the journalists in order to make sure that they have the tools that they need to better do their job to support their mission, as well as looking at new and creative distribution paths for our content, such as, like I said, we're a multifaceted organization that uh, provides content via uh, satellite on television, radio, as well as on digital means and social means. So we look for new ways in order to make that happen. So you have the CDO title, but not the CDO we all think of because of digital versus data. Do you ever get confused or do, does anyone ever confuse you as the CDO because that's in vogue now? Uh, no, luckily not. Not yet. Uh, I like the fact that as the CDO or chief digital officer, you're working with journalists because it's not just, hey, guys, put it on Facebook or, hey, have you have you thought about that LinkedIn thing? I heard it's going to be big. <laughs> Walk me through how you work with journalists day in and day out. And day in and day out, <laughs> we see what, they, what they're doing and how they're distributing their content. So, for instance, we look at it on a global scale. We're focused uh, – Voice of America is the largest U.S. international broadcasting operation. We broadcast in over 100 countries and 47 different languages on television, radio, and digital means. And I look for what's the best method in order to get into certain certain countries or certain areas around the globe, such as maybe it's, you know, you could have streams on Alexa or Google Home, or you have, uh, we put, create maybe smartwatch apps or also mobile applications with uh, circumvention tools built into them due to you know certain firewalls around the around the globe that may for countries that may not want to have the free press available to them. Now, is this stuff being done by you and your, your your folks or you're you're managing it but you have contractors and you have others who are kind of helping develop those apps or those tools? It's a little of both. I like to have a hybrid organization. I don't like to be held hostage by contractors, but I also know that we need them in order to, and we need the very talented vendors out there to help provide these solutions for us because we don't have the answers or the skills and capabilities to make it all happen. Um, so it's kind of a hybrid team of, of both. Are you mostly spending most of your day as CIO or most of the day as chief digital officer or is it 50-50? How do you split your day? Kind of a 50-50 means. Uh, so I do have the staff on, on hand to take care of you know certain CIO tasks, such as focusing on the cyber aspects of things and looking at and the standardization within the organization. But then also working with to spend the other half of my time and with the staff focusing on creating the new uh, solutions for the journalists and the distribution paths for them. If your background is not journalism, which I assume it's not. Well, I did have a undergraduate degree in uh, communications focused on journalism. Oh, you did? I did. We did. Or I do. We're, 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 <laughs> we're, we're learning something because maybe uh, you are ready to get in, you know, in front of the microphone like you are now on a more regular basis. No, I don't think so. This it, is, this is uh, as comfortable as we're going to get. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so your background's a, you have some journalist background, you have a technology background. Marrying those two together, is that what attracted you to VOA? Oh, definitely. It was, uh, I'd say, almost an opportunity of a lifetime as far as it goes for government service and federal service and, and, and just working in general. It's been the, it's a great place to work, and especially with the marrying of those two uh, functionalities. When you look at the rest of the federal government, it's very... I'm going to say narrow. It's not in a derogative term, but you know, Homeland Security, you're focusing on security. USDA, you're focused on agriculture, and VOA, we're focused on the media, but you're also focused on everything else. You're reporting, you know, on 
not me, but the reporters are reporting on all those aspects. So you're, you're really tied into the, the globe as a whole as opposed to a very narrow niche. When you're wearing both hats, the CIO and the CDO hat, do they, are they complementary too? Because sometimes as CIO, you say, well, we have, this, uh, we have this type of platform. Oh, but as CDO, we need this type of tool that can ride on this platform. I mean, is that why you wear both hats or, or would you like to get rid of one? No. And I won't ask which one to get rid of. <laughs> no, no, uh, they do complement each other very well. And uh, as you can see, if you, a lot of, I don't know, maybe uh, text you see – recently is about digital transformations of organizations and a lot of them saying how the CIO needs to be more of a digital partner with the mission side of the organization. And I think it is certainly beneficial. You need to have the CIO or the chief digital officer or the chief information officer. You need They need to be at the executive table in order to help uh, see how things are operating so that they can better aid in this, but also to help chart the course forward. It's fascinating because I think a lot of CIOs are wearing multiple hats, but it's usually the A, the other CDO role, right? Or they have some sort of uh, multiple role like, oh, well, you're also the chief human capital officer or the chief acquisition officer or whatever. So uh, it's, a, it's a great mix that you have because, again, the way your job works. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about the makeup of your office, a hybrid feds versus contractors. Roughly, is, are you 50-50 or are you 40-60? No, we're about three to one contractors to feds. And is that a ratio that works for you right now? Do you see it going up or down? I'm, I'm comfortable with that ratio. I think it works well. And I think that uh, uh, I see it, it expanding, the office expanding, but uh, I see it as, as a good ratio to operate from. And from a IT budget perspective, I know 2021 just got released, but you guys probably don't worry too much about the appropriation stuff. But can you give me a sense of what your IT budget looks like? No, because we're still in negotiations over that. We, but uh, Well, how about for 2020 or 2019? <laughs> I, can just, I can just tell you that it's not as big as uh, in the billions of the USDA, but it would be – it's in the millions. And uh, it is something that we operate with. <laughs> All right. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, when the vendors start calling you, you can both blame me and blame yourself for, for not offering yeah, more details. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, hopefully this will keep them at bay for somewhat. There you go. Jim, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can uh, talk about some of your priorities and some other things that's going on. My guest is Jim Tennyson, the Voice of America's Chief Information Officer and Chief Digital Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jim Tennyson, the Voice of America's Chief Information Officer and Chief Digital Officer. Jim, uh, before break, we got to know you a little bit. We got to know the difference between the CIO and the CDO, not that CDO, but the Chief Digital Officer role. Right. And uh, a little bit about your office and, and the fact that your budget's in the millions. <laughs> uh, we will t- maybe get back to that later on as well. Maybe but, not. But what are you doing with that with that money there? Let's talk about your priorities. What are you hoping to get done over the next six or nine months? Well, we have one major project that we're focusing on and that we're building. It's our new content management system, which is the backbone for all of our digital distribution within the organization. Uh, we've been working on that one for a little over a year now, and we've got two languages on board. We started with uh, English and we then moved on to Korean. But we still have 45 more languages that we have to roll onto the system and uh, to develop it out for them. Uh, So that is a major, major priority for the agency and a major priority for me. Um, Also, we are on the development stages and uh, the planned release for our OTT product, which is our over-the-top product. Think of it as VOA's version of Netflix or Apple Plus or, you know, something along those lines. We're in the development stages of those and planning for the release. 
And that deals with a lot of coordination between not only the technical side, but as well as the content side to make sure that we have the appropriate content and you know on that on that platform, and then still the standardization of tools across the agency, which is something that we've been working on for a while, and we're making headway. But uh, that's more of on the administrative side or the internal side of making sure that things work. All right, a couple things to dig out there. Let's start with the major project about a digital distribution, the the content management system. Usually, you buy WordPress, you get frustrated with WordPress, and you move on. <laughs> You somehow customize your WordPress, and then you continue to get frustrated with it. Right. Are you guys developing your own? Are you using some sort of commercial product that you are customizing because you have 47 languages? Oh, well, we went with the open source solution of Drupal and that we are building on top of. And we wanted to make sure that it was a cloud-based env- for continuity of operations as well as you know just general good practice. We wanted to make sure that it was a cloud-based system that we were that we were building, so it was available from any time in any place. As you may know, a media CMS or content management system is much more difficult or more complex than a normal content management system, something like a WordPress that you would pick up and customize yourself. Uh, there are many more tie-ins, especially for us being the type of organization we are with both television, radio, and digital and social distribution paths. They all feed into each other. So, for instance, our television streams do go into our content management system so that we can provide, and so do our radio streams, so that we can provide this content via the web or on digital digital means. The other piece that I could see is the languages. I mean, you'd think that if you could write this in Python or where what are you guys using it? Like C++, Java? No, maybe? Well, it'd be PHP and <laughs> there you, Drupal. So. There you go. <laughs> but you, see, I want to get a little technical on no, it. There you go. But if you're writing it in the specific language, does that also work if you're, you know, again, Korean or J- Japanese or, or Mandarin or wherever? Oh, well, something that we have learned is that uh, in building out the search functions for Korean, Korean is a very difficult language to focus on. It's one of the top or one of the most difficult ones to focus on in the development of the search functionality. But uh, no, it doesn't matter which language you're in when it comes down to the actual coding aspect of it. Two languages are on board. So are you making the migration from the old to the new? And what was the old one like? Was it, again, an off-the-shelf type of thing or some a homegrown? No, the uh, the old system was a, or is, was, is, comma, uh, is a homegrown system that is developed and built and housed outside of the, outside of the organization. And so, but we're working hand in hand with them with the replacement of with the new system. And the the next languages that we're focusing on release in the near the near short term is uh, would be Persian, Mandarin, Spanish, yeah, Persian, Mandarin, and Spanish and Russian are the next languages that we're planning on develop uh, releasing. And then over the course of how long, when when will we be on the full content management system? Do you have an idea? Uh, I would like to be on the end of it by the end of this calendar year. So by the end of this calendar year is is the goal to have all 47 languages on board. And then once you're there, the biggest benefit is is, is mostly on the back end, meaning it's going to be helpful for your folks at Voice of America to, to put their stories in, to put their audio and video in. Or will someone on the front end, whether they're in Russia or, or China or wherever, will they see a difference? It is both. That is something that we focused on throughout the development of that we have the layouts on the external side are, are regionally based. Or, so we wanted to make sure that the users, the meaning the audience, global audience, they see what they expect a site to look like. So a site in Russia may look different than a site in Mandarin. Or a site in Mandarin is very text-heavy. A site in Russia is very video-heavy. So we want to make sure that it, it 
uh, the layout is appropriate for each side, uh, for each region. Internally, uh, we worked hand in hand with the journalists to build a system for them that they wanted to use. So that was a major aspect and I think a game changer for the organization as opposed to the old system where they have what they were using was not exactly as efficient or as effective as what they would have liked to have seen. You may get a lot of uh, news organizations knocking on your door if you, if you do it right. If, if the word gets out that you guys have put together a good content management system, you may just get that. You mentioned the cloud. This is going to live in the cloud. It has to live in the cloud. You're going across the, the world with this. How do you ensure that people have access in China or in in Singapore or, or in Russia to this content management system if it's on a cloud or a part of the cloud that maybe is is forbidden, if you will? Right. Is that, is that one of those things that, that that's why you have the CIO hat too? That would be that, but that's also – it can be a little bit more difficult in those types of areas. So that, with that, we also re- – we would say that's also why I have the CDO hat probably as well, the chief digital officer hat because – we got to look at alternative means of getting in there. Some places like maybe China, our site may be blocked or the, the Mandarin site may not be available to the public or without going through VPNs or certain areas or certain methods for them to get out to see our, our, our content. But we look at other means in which we can distribute as well. So, I, for instance, YouTube is uh, – even though that can be blocked in China, we do have uh, a means of which the shows are pr- uh, presented on there. But we also built mobile applications with the circumvention tools in them that allow access to our content. And what about the VOA employees? Can they always have access to it? Because they can, they if, oh, if, the VOA employees can always have access. Because even if they're located in China, right? There's a way, okay, for them to get to that. Because that, that's the word. That's where I think of it when it comes to the cloud. Is that instead of having, having to you know backhaul back to the U.S. somehow. <laughs> they, they, they can have the cloud, obviously. Uh, the other one is is the the OTT product. I love the way you call that. <laughs> I mean, you probably guys don't quite have a name for it yet if you called it over the top. <laughs> but but basically, it's as you said, it's it's some sort of on demand streaming service of, of VOA content. Correct. W- walk me through your role in helping that get developed. Well, with the streaming service, I've been a part of it since the beginning. Since we've been thinking of the idea and developing it bringing it out. That's something that the, the director and deputy director have really been wanting to drive forward with. And for us, we would need to make sure that we had the appropriate infrastructure in place as well as the vendors in place in order to provide the solution for us, such as a CDN, making sure that the CDN is there and can f- provide the appropriate streaming to the places around the globe that would be using our service on a regular basis. From a platform, from an infrastructure perspective, Obviously, this is something that's going to be in the cloud. It has to be. Do you have to worry about, okay, how do we, not just the security of it, which is, we'll make it to later in our conversation too, but the performance, the latency. I mean, how do you as CIO kind of work with the mission side to say, here's the things you all need to keep in mind as you go forward? Uh, well, that's what I do. Is that's what you do. <laughs> I, make, I make your job so easy, it feels you do. like. I appreciate it. You provide the answer in the question. So that's that's what I do. Okay, let me put put a finer point on my uh, answerable <laughs> question. Have you guys had to upgrade your cloud? Have you had to upgrade the like, well? We 10G had to we had to G. focus on moving to the cloud and making sure that our content is available in that area. So that's something that was a lot different, or is something that's in transition that we're working towards. Uh, a lot of the content is maintained within the current data centers, and we need to move to the cloud and make it much easier for it to be accessed. 
and to work on the platform. You guys are not a huge agency. Do you have multiple data centers, one, two data centers? We have one data center. One data, well, center. At one data center outside of the organization and a few internal. Is the goal to get rid of all those data centers or, or collapse I them? would love to see it be a complete cloud environment. But uh, you do run into some restrictions in the progress with the broadcast operations aspect of things. Even though there there are many organizations that are luckily that are focused on developing and getting it to a complete cloud solution, we need to make sure that it's as cost effective for the government as possible as well. But at least for the content side, if you're going to store that and, and have that accessible, that's got to be in the cloud to, to so people can get it. Are you guys building your own cloud? Is it a gov only cloud? Are you guys using a commercial product for commercial cloud? product? Uh, we well, we have both Azure and AWS. And all that's being in process of, of going to it in terms of moving the content there. Right. Very, very good. Uh, I guess the, the last piece of this around your OTT is, is is there timing on it yet? Is there is there some big launch party plan like Disney Plus did where I can get it free? That's for, such a good name, too. I like the Dis- plus Disney part. Plus. Disney Plus, maybe VOA Plus. Maybe we could do something like that. VOA Flix Plus? <laughs> I don't know. That one sounds a little complicated. Hola? Like instead of Hulu? <laughs> Hola. Hola. All right. So uh, any timing on that? Well, we're looking for the release this year with a few of our languages, um, and that would be within the fiscal year. All right. Very nice. Very good. A lot on your plate. We're going to come back, and we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we can talk about maybe some of your other uh, priorities around standardization. My guest today is Jim Tunnison, the Chief Information Officer and Chief Digital Officer at The Voice of America. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jim Tunnison, the Chief Information Officer and Chief Digital Officer at The Voice of America. Now, Jim, before break, we were talking about some of your big priorities, including the OTT product, which I liked over the top, and uh, <laughs> new content management system. Uh, another one that, that you didn't bring up, but I'll bring to you is, is because I, I learned about this recently, is an AI tool that you guys are using for translation and transcription. Talk to me about that tool and then where, where that project is heading. Sure. So we were developing a system or a tool called Ipsum based off of Lorem Ipsum, but we developed this tool for automated transcription and translation for the organization. And that was to aid in all of the different uh, services that we have, since we have 47 different language services, uh, to help them with their well, transcription and translation of their video and audio content, as well as to help share the stories across the different language services as well. And this is a uh, tool that uses machine learning for both uh, on the back end. And the good thing uh, about this is you guys are doing this by hand, or or at least my understanding is you had people doing all this work, and now you're using automation, which is now freeing up those people. That is correct. So walk me through how much savings, how much time, what's, what's the big difference we're seeing? Well, we saw a 10 times savings in the release of the system based off of what it takes for the journalist or the transcriber in order to uh, do their project. So it takes them roughly for a 30-minute program, a 30-minute audio or video program. It took them about 90 minutes to do transcription. And with the introduction of this tool, they're allowed to drop in the video or audio file into the into the tool and have it done within minutes. And if you add in the human factor of quality control and QCing the afterwards, 
it took them about nine minutes in order for the 30-minute program. So we saw 10 times savings with the release of this. Give me a sense of, of how you got to where you are today. What, what was the process? We noticed what the journalists were doing and what the, how some of the services were treating or treating this problem by bringing in transcribers or translators. And we did an analysis. Uh, we took the big five. We anal- analyzed them against native speakers. And then we looked for how we would tie this into the organization. And we needed a user-friendly front end um, to drive these engines and to provide it for video and audio transcription and trans- and also translation. And so we built this uh, – we mocked up an MVP or minimal viable product, which we developed within about a three-month time frame and tied the engines to the back end – and we started with uh, just, like I said, five major languages such as Russian, Persian, Spanish, English, um, and I think uh, Mandarin were the main five languages that we started with. And we did those tests and then uh, first transcription was available. And as we progressed through the building process, then we added in translation. And now we're up to over 20 languages in transcription and over 40 languages in translation. And those are due to the effectiveness of engines in the back end, such as, uh, you know, for example, Hausa is a very difficult. We can't, we don't transcribe that one. We can translate that one. In the engines you talk about, were, are they commercial engines? So you're saying, hey, we're going to use and fill in the blank, IBM Watson or whomever, and and you guys at VOA wrote the front end to help make it user friendly, or did you are taking a commercial product and then customizing it or modifying it to meet different needs. We came up with the idea of aggregating everything together, but built a front end and to pull in the back end. This is a huge win for Voice of America. Oh, correct. It was, uh, it's seen very well. It's seen very well. <laughs> Walk me through a little bit also how that works because it, it, people hear AI, artificial intelligence, it's machine learning. How did you set up this program? Well, we saw how the what the workforce was doing and how they were operating. And what we did was we took the big five or we took uh, the big companies that were providing AI and machine learning tools and we brought them in. And we did an analysis with them and our native speakers to figure out which engines would be the best engines for the back end of the system. We did that, and we identified which engines they were, and then we built the front end and tied it to the, tied it to the back end. And we've since grown. We started out with uh, an MVP. We were able to make this happen within about a three-month time frame with an MVP with about five different languages. And then we added in translation and we are net currently at about 20-plus languages for transcription and 40-plus languages for translation. And the long-term goal is to use this for all languages, all, all the countries you guys serve, the 47 different languages, uh, and then not get rid of people. Let's be clear about that, but make sure that they do uh, different types of work, more valuable work. I mean, it's the whole upskilling, reskilling, automation piece. Right. That's exactly what we want to have happen. And what's your long your longer term goal is to get through all forty seven or at least as many as forty seven by the end of the calendar year? As many languages as we can get through with uh, where the the appropriate engines are that uh, would help the workforce. We don't want to put something out there that uh, gives you about a twenty five percent rating. And the reaction's been good. I can only imagine. Oh, the reaction's been good because one of the things you mentioned earlier on our kind uh, of conversation today about. The content management system is you have the users developing it. And this is something that, again, as CIO, you saw the users asking for going out on their own. And you said, okay, hold on. Instead of having 100 of these or paying a bunch of subscription services, 
to 50 different of them, right. you were able to kind of see that need and fulfill that need fairly quickly. Walk me through how that process worked. Because a lot of times CIOs don't have that reputation of being able to, to, to connect those dots. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Well, the, we saw how the organization operated and with, with uh, the journalists. So we had uh, some of the services were hiring transcribers and translators and others were some tech-savvy journalists were reaching out and buying subscription services in order to transcribe or translate their content. And we, just as you said, we didn't want to have 100 different services that we were paying for, so we worked on the consult. We brought in those that were using the systems, and we helped them help develop the system that they would want. What they would, Just like we did with the content management system, we brought them in and had them help develop Ipsum, our transcription and translation tool for them. What is it that they would like to see in this product? How, how accurate is it? Do you get a sense? Are you 80% there? Are you 90% there? Oh, it's, it would, that one depends on the language. So it depends on which one you're talking about. With uh, Let's do something easy like English. English. Uh, we're in the high 90s. Okay. But something like Russian maybe? Oh, I'd say we're still in the 85, 90 realm. Other languages, maybe if you think of like Hausa, it's uh, probably in the 50% realm. But it's machine learning. So as you guys understand what what, what is wrong with the machine – the machine, you can tell the machine to learn and then it can get better. So you can see that 50% climb, hopefully. That's right. And that's what we'd like to see. We want people to use the system so that the system learns and they add more. They do correction of the content itself. And they also, we can also feed the machine the, the certain keywords to help increase its vocabulary and it, as well. All right. Very nice. So it's a very interesting use of AI. You guys are also applying AI, if I remember this correctly, to your content management system in some way? That is the intent. We're, right now we've, we've introduced translation into the content management system as well because, because we have so many services. And like I said, with the 47 different language services, we want to be able to share the content easily within the organization. And so if you are in a different service, you want to be able to easily, with the click of a button, translate a story and with that, you get a side-by-side translation of the, that story itself. So you'll have the, uh, you know, let's just pretend an English version and a, and a Farsi version side-by-side, and you'll be able to look at them and make sure that the context is appropriate. Uh, with that, we're also introducing uh, image recognition into our uh, CMS to help pre-populate metadata fields within, within the, uh, the system to help the journalists out so that they don't have to go through and do it. Uh, it would identify people and products and things within that happen within a video or within an image. And uh, like I said, pre-populate the metadata fields for them. And is, again, is this also something that's uh, going to be using machine learning AI or is this more of a big database that can just pull from? Uh, this will be used in the machine learning AI of, of uh, that's available. You're rolling out the CMS over the course of the next year or so. You said it's in, I think mm-hmm. you mentioned Korean and English so far. Correct. Have you tested out this AI capability on the back end to recognize oh, images and how's it working? Oh, no, we haven't tested out the image recognition aspect. That's a, that's a, being developed later this year. What we have done is we put the translation portion into it so far, and that has seen, uh, that has seen good results. But uh, image recognition is uh, to come. The next, the next thing on <laughs> It's your, the next step. On your to-do list, if you will. <laughs> Let me jump uh, to another priority that you didn't mention, but I know is one is cybersecurity. I know it gets sensitive, but uh, I realize the Voice of America is probably one of those uh, organizations like the Defense Department, like the FBI, that gets a lot of attention from bad actors. 
Uh, just at, at a 50,000-foot level, what you can, how do you keep up with it? How do you deal with it? What, what kind of strategies do you have? Well, we have a very vigilant security team <laughs> that pays attention to these things. We do have concerns over state and non-state actors that would like to uh, penetrate or get into our environment. And we do what we can. At our, we, we stop them before that before that happens. In the development, such as maybe with our CMS, for example, with the development of our new system as we built it, we made sure that we ran all the appropriate tests and audits of the system while we were doing that. But we also hired third-party pen testers to come in after we had released the English version of it to take a look at it and beat it up to find any additional vulnerabilities that may be there that we need to take care of. And the good thing is whether you're putting the code down in if the, the, the English version of the CMS or, or the Korean version or the, you know, whatever language you're doing, the code is the same. So you know you have confidence in the code. Correct. Because you're not changing the code per se to, for the different languages. That's right. We have the single code base across the board. Does that mean you guys have some sort of DevSecOps going or, or automation being applied to the security side? Right. Well, we do. Yes, we have the DevSecOps uh, buzzwords applied to the <laughs> to the solution. And uh, with that, it comes with the automated uh, security uh, code scans and tests with it through our uh, through our process. All right, very good. I know there's uh, more to talk about if we could, but since uh, it gets a little sensitive, uh, we will we will we will say thank you for what you could share with us, uh, Jim. Let's take a quick break. We can come back. We can uh, finish up our conversation. My guest is Jim Tunnison, the Voice of America's Chief Information Officer and Chief Digital Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jim Tunnison, the Chief Information Officer at The Voice of America. Now, Jim, before break, we we're talking about uh, some of the, the different ways you guys are using AI, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, a lot of the emerging technology. Uh, at the same time, you can't just say, hey, mission side or hey, folks at VOA, here's your latest AI. Here's the next shiny tool. Somebody wanted it. You saw a need and you helped fill it. Walk me through that process in a broader sense. How do you ensure that you are meeting the needs of the mission side uh, You know, every day, every week, every month? Well, with that, we need to keep our ear to the ground and work closely with the mission side and keep close with the journalists themselves. A lot of them are very tech-savvy and very innovative, and we don't want to squash that. We want them to be able to uh, provide these solutions and use them. So we set up monthly uh, digital meetups where they come together, and they uh, it's a ground swell or ground-up workflow that allows the journalists to come in and or tech side, journalists or tech side, come in and share their ideas or solutions that they've found. This could be anywhere from a process such as a new way that they've done something on Instagram in order to help distribute their content and they're getting lots of views. It could be a new AI tool that they've found and that they're using, such as uh, that led us to the development of Ipsum of, so to use transcription and translation it could be just us sharing that the new OTT platform that we want to uh, make sure that they're aware of what it is that we're creating for them and that they can get the right content to put on this platform. So we really encourage the workforce themselves to come up with solutions or come or 
uh, share these ideas uh, with the whole house. So the, these meetups are available for everybody to come to. They Do you provide donuts? Because that's really the key. That's how you get journalists there, food. Ah, yes. No, no. Uh, Sometimes. It depends. It's a bring your own. All right. Fair enough. you got to keep them guessing. <laughs> right. Uh, one of the things about those meetups is how do you ensure it doesn't fall into a, a complaining session? Well, <laughs> our system can't do that. Or, well, it'd be nice if we could buy that, but you won't give us the money. How, how do you ensure it's, it's actually the, the, that there's value from it? That's a great question. How do we ensure that there's value from it? That is uh, a lot of times they're already doing it or they're using, they're using the solution and they're wanting to show it how – they're showing the value of the solution. And with that, we also look at it as we created a technical uh, technology investment review board to help bring these solutions to possibly the house. Uh, because we are so large and we have these 47 different services, not everybody needs everything. But sometimes there is an idea or a solution or a technology process that could be of benefit to everybody. So we have them presented at also at the Technology Investment Review Board, which is not just the technology people coming together to say, hey, yes or no, you will use this and this is how things operate. But it, we brought in uh, representatives from across the house, anywhere from audience engagement and analytics to all as well as uh, you know, internet managing editors from uh, you know, the seven different divisions, regionally specific divisions within the house to see – these tools that we're using and what to help identify the value that people could be gaining from using these solutions within their own services. As these journalists or whomever are using testing out these tools, how do you ensure the guardrails are there that they are stay, that they're not bringing in a tool that could cause you cybersecurity trouble? You don't. <laughs> the, the pause showed me that, that that's the next thing on your agenda to do. Something to do. No, we, we focus on that from the uh, – that comes with the Technology Investment Review Board. So there are security people involved on our tech IRB as well that focus specifically on those aspects of the uh, of the solution. So if we deem something that is too – that um, you, you want to be careful so that they're not introducing – potential cyber risks into your network, into your environment. So usually sometimes when I've talked to uh, CIOs in the past, one of the things they've said to me, for instance, was, you know, I don't want to be the CIO, no, and I don't want to stop innovation from happening. At the same time, I just can't have it run rampant either. And then you got to find the right balance. I mean, is shadow IT, is it, which is a common term you probably remember from your USDA days, is that, is that a concern at Voice of America? Not with the prevalence or the creation of these digital meetups and the tech tech, uh, tech IRB. We want people to experiment and share things. But, we, yes, we do want to get ahead of it. We don't want them to go out there and create these solutions on their own and build it. Yes, shadow IT is something that I've seen prevalent in many organizations, and it was something that came across in coming to the Voice of America. But I think – by creating these little innovation hubs or these available uh, these areas to for people to share solutions that they have um, has really provided us with the benefit of getting ahead of it. You mentioned the AI tool Ipsum as one example, something that maybe came from the the IRB or, or this meetup. Anything else comes to mind as another example of one that would be like, oh, hey, that was a good idea that we were able to, to expand. Well, we became. Uh, champions of uh, 360, uh, well, yes, of actually of 360 cameras, as well as the uh, bringing in drones. 
So those were two other major aspects that we brought into the house in order to help develop our content. That shows a uh, a marrying between the technology side, the digital side, as well as the content side, because these were tools that people were using in order to help us, uh, you know, spice up some of their different distribution paths. And we really t- brought those and started championing them throughout the entire organization and created a, in fact, a drone pilot program. And we uh, licensed 11 drone pilots within the you know, within the first year that we brought it together and uh, created a drone management program, as well as, uh, like I said, bringing in the virtual reality and the 360 cameras in order to boost up our immersive content. As the CIO, do you spend, you know, you go, you may go to these tech meetups, but do you spend time working with journalists too? Or how often are you in the newsroom talking to them, watching what happens, sitting and, and learning to see where you as the CIO can add more value or the C- chief digital officer can add more value? Well, I try to do it. I try to do it daily, but I do it as much as I can. But all, luckily, I have a very talented staff as well. That uh, so we all get out there to the different services and see what other people are doing and what uh, what they're using, and uh, we stay in close contact with the the leadership as well as the international like the uh, the the leadership within the organization of each of the services and the divisions to make sure that uh, they know that we're here to help and to help help them not just enable them but to partner with them in order to help create solutions for them. All right. Very good. It's nice to hear that the CIO is leaving in your ivory tower, right? Oh, yes. The, the ivory tower that you have. <laughs> yes. uh, Jim, we're just about out of time before I let you go. I want to tag back to something. We talked a little bit about vendors earlier. What should vendors know about working with your office? Oh, well, we, what should vendors know? We're a fast-paced organization. We're a 24-7 organization. We keep uh, – it is demanding and it does have comp- – there is a complexity to the products that we create and we develop. But uh, we try to make it as fun as possible. And uh, it's good to – it's a good organization to be with and to work with. And uh, you're really making a difference in ensuring that the freedom of the press is heard around the world uh, over there at The Voice of America. So – and I don't have a closed door, so uh, right. <laughs> I'm open to discussion. And when it comes to discussions, because you probably will now get some uh, requests based on uh, this interview, I mean, do you get a sense that you prefer email, start with email? Do you direct them to people on your staff if, if hey, I'm not the right person, but here's my security person or here's my enterprise applications person? How does that work? Yes, I do that. So if- Happy to start out with an email, and I'll, I'll read it to the right path. All right. We won't ask you to give us your email Thank you, on, on the air. <laughs> we'll, we'll see that. All right. Well, uh, Jim, uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time. So let, let me thank my guest. Jim Tennyson is the Chief Information Officer and Chief Digital Officer for, for The Voice of America. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.